Welcome, everyone, to an episode of maybe next year. I refrain from saying another episode because it feels a little bit different this week. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And it, the buff. No, no, I'm talking. Because I actually picked the game wrong. Sorry, my bad. Heel turn starts at the beginning of the episode as I just <laughs> kick Paul in the stomach. No, the Buffalo Bills uh, handle their business on the road in the most watched televised NFL regular season game in, I think it was three years, yep. 26 to 15 over the Dallas Cowboys um, and and a score that almost belies how close it wasn't. Uh, I, they, the Bills really, it was the opening Cowboys drive, and then it was all Bills until it didn't matter anymore. Um, Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, Cole Beasley, uh, John you know, Brown, John Oliver, Starlatulale, <laughs> Ed Oliver, uh, pretty much name a Bill, and they did great. Uh, we're gonna get to all of it, um, but the Bills win a game uh, to put themselves at nine wins, the earliest that they've gotten to nine wins in 25 years, I think. 20, 23 years, still a long damn time. Yeah, uh, certainly since we've been recording this podcast, as they've only managed nine and seven three times since we've been watching together, twice during the podcast. Um, Mike Malarkey, um uh, the St. Doug Marone, and now for the second time with with uh, uh, whew, uh, Sean McDermott. Sorry, I'm uh, I'm just sort of blown away by this. <laughs> um, and, and and they're not done yet because they're nine and three, and so you know the Bills are in a in in some some pretty great place. But let's let's get to, first of all, happy Thanksgiving, gentlemen. I hope your your uh, day was was better than just the football game, which was excellent. Um, but let's start with let's start with Scott. Scott, what did you make of this game? Uh, put it in context for us. What did you sure. like? What did you not like? Go at it. I, I don't even know what to ask. They, they you know, kicked the, ass. <laughs> so, yes. No, they did kick ass. Um, I, I, I will. I will start with the bad news because there is just a little bit and I will get it out of the way because I, I really I enjoyed this game tremendously. and I don't want to focus on it. The only bad news is that Dallas right now is a six and 16. Yeah. And 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 that's the only bad part of this. I mean, like if there, if it was a different team that we had gone, if if the Lions were six and five and we went in to beat the Lions on Thanksgiving Day, I don't think this would have quite the resonance that it did. I think we are all kind of participating in the. Dallas Cowboys America's team uh, myth slash story that exists when we kind of, you know, get this excited about it on some level. How now and and that they are functionally just a mediocre team. And so yeah. great. We yes, we beat them. We beat them soundly. And again, we have not been doing that earlier this year. And the fact that we are beating mediocre teams soundly is probably a good sign, but ultimately not one that championships are made out of. So all that aside, I immensely enjoyed the game. Um, I was I was a tad worried after the beginning, but even then I wasn't like, eh, they've been down before in first quarters and come back. So I wasn't even that worried. Uh, and it was still pretty early. And then uh, some some great kind of defensive plays to kind of get us get us going. Obviously, Starla Tulele with the with the ridiculous kind of 
you know, it was a terrible, terrible decision by Dak Prescott. And, and, and he threw for 350 yards and boy, if you throw for 350 yards and your team loses and you only score like 15 points, you did some pretty dumb things. And he kind of did some dumb things. Like he's a good player, but that was a really ill-advised screen pass. And it was a great play by Star of the And I don't, I, I think that when you say something really dumb, it kind of implies that it was easy for the defender. It was not easy for 350 man to catch that kind of grounded screen pass on the way. Uh, that, that, that's it, not John Brown's hands right there. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was not. And, and, and great job by him and good, good kind of heads up play from a guy who we've, you know, criticized at points this season for not quite bringing it um, every week. And I think he was, he was part of a general defensive resurgence specifically the pass rush was obviously has continued to be a couple people, including Eric Wood on Buffalo bills.com have pointed out. This is like three weeks in a row. That we've had at least four sacks which is, you know, not super, but that's pretty darn good considering the rest of the defense was doing a pretty good job already without the sacks. So if you add that in, that makes the whole defense more credible and more able to rely on them to get stuff done. And then uh, that is a, you know, I think that the defense alone, you could spend more time talking about Shaq Lawson at Oliver, all had good games, Edmonds and Milano. The run defense continues to concern me a little bit. Uh, Elliot obviously was running wild and, I don't know why the Dallas Cowboys stopped giving them the ball at some point and had Prescott throw for 45 times. Some of it was probably they were a little down, but it wasn't like that we were up 30 at the half. It was uh, still right, pretty manageable. 13 to seven, right? Way. Yeah. So that that's not 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 great when your run defense doesn't look quite up to shape and you're playing the Ravens, who have running for 220 yards a game right now um, uh, next week. But that's a next week uh, later in the podcast problem. And that's that. And I will say the offense did equally great. And uh, let's just throw it to Paul for the offense, because I feel like I've talked yeah. for too much already. No, that was a good, good discussion. It's, it's tough not to talk too much about this game because it was so rich and in a happy way. I feel like previously when we've had rich Bills games to talk about, it's because things went wrong that we didn't even realize could go wrong. They, we didn't know were possible. <laughs> so this was kind of the opposite of that. You can retire at halftime? How does that work? Like that, that is a- <laughs> That is a thing we discussed on a podcast. That was, oh boy. So this was the opposite of that, where you were talking about a game where where Josh Allen, in his first game in front of a national, first uh, regular season game in front of a national television audience, because no one watches preseason games, and uh, what Frank mentioned is the th- highest rated NFL game in three years uh, on the national scope had his best game as a pro 19 of 24. He averaged about 10 yards a throw and they were not easy throws tight windows that the one that a lot of people are talking about, and I think deserves mention was third and 10 at the two yard line. The bills were down seven to nothing. They went three and out. I think, or, or didn't, or had to punt on their first offensive possession yeah. backed up with their two Great running Dallas. around in the end zone fires an on target bullet to a well covered Cole Beasley. That was a thing of beauty. Then the touchdown pass to Beasley. Again, pinpoint accuracy over a linebacker and under the safety. And Beasley was also being covered by a corner at the time. And yet could have moonwalked into the end zone because of how well Allen led him with that pass. The the play, of course, that is really the one that even my brother-in-law who doesn't like football brought up to me this past week. The Josh Allen and Mitch Morse beautifully designed. I'm going to set this ball on the ground on fourth and one. Why don't you pick it up and then run into some people, plow through them and get a first down and make it a huge momentum shift just to see all those things that he was able to, 
to do offensively. I feel I again, I don't think we're going to know about Josh Allen for sure until next year. But as far as building the resume to show that uh, he's going to get there, this was just a huge sign of progress in that that area. And what and one other play I want to bring up of Allen's, he was scrambling on like a third and five and easily could have had the first down running has done it many times. Instead, he fires another ball in the tight window to Robert Foster that picks up 20 yards, which gains more yards than he would have run in and doesn't put him in peril. Beautiful to, to see. Singletary had some big runs that was largely contained. That's fine. John Brown threw, he had his worst receiving game, but still threw arguably one of the best passes of the day when he had a lot of time to work with, of course. I apologize for the sirens in the background. But all it's in a all... smoke brown alert right yes. in the background. Mm-hmm. And whenever we talk mm-hmm. about John Brown, the fire goes off. Uh, Scott's wife did inform me that this is the third busiest firehouse in the nation, and I live literally one block from it. Literally one block. Uh, so, yeah, just this was... <laughs> There were, there were, I have nothing to nitpick in this game. I could nitpick the, the running game not producing consistently. Dallas has a pretty good defensive front seven, and they dared the Bills to throw, and the Bills said, thank you, we're going to throw five incompletions all day and smoke you in a game that's not going to be as close as the score indicates. So probably the most enjoyable viewing experience I've had in, in a while. I'm sure the amount of alcohol helped, and the fact that it was a big upset, uh, at least on paper, so, you know, no complaints about this one from me. Strangely, the Bills did run more than they passed, you know, 34 to 25, uh, despite the, the, that, in in fact. And, but Allen completes the really big third down passes, you know. I mean, to go 20 for 25 as a, as a unit, including John Brown. Uh, but, you know, Allen didn't throw bad passes all day. He threw really nice passes all day. So I felt like the eye test was there. The the stats are there. Um, the, the heads up play that that Paul points out, which is the offense that I wanted, where he runs and his running opens up passing. Um, the the other thing that has been consistent really since the Browns lost, uh, which I, I first was looking at, Sal Capaccio pointed out, the no huddle offense or the the, the up tempo offense, which is a, a great advantage, and also uh, a lot more pressure on defense. Um, and I, I think that maybe since that Browns game, which I would kind of put Dallas as a slightly better Browns team, lots of talent, but sort of confused about what they're doing and not putting it all together. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I think Dallas is better than the Browns, but I, I think that they're kind of in that same jumbled box of even the Eagles. Like we we're a confused mess, but we have a lot of talent, you know, so the mm-hmm. Bills had lost the last two and they, you know, they finally put the screws to a team like that, kind of like like Scott was saying. You know, to, to really kind of hold them down. I, I agree with you. That was the one thing I was thinking about, Scott, was like, well, you know, everybody went into that game thinking, well, like, beat Dallas. And and some of that is because, the you know, the NFC is a lot tougher, it, it seems, than the tougher AFC. And, yeah. and, and so... And and so you want you, you want to look at their six and five and say, well, maybe they're you know, they'd be doing better in the AFC. But, you know, the the the, the point is, I mean, they, they went into, you know, the a huge game, really a huge game where everybody was picking against them and expecting them to be the same old bills. And they really didn't. Um, we will get to that Ravens game, too, as you pointed out, because that really could be a that that's probably going to be the, the true benchmark of the the season about how good you are um the good news is 
win or lose that Ravens game, well, you know, lose that Ravens game, and you're you're still in really good shape for the playoffs uh, to make it. Um, and we'll talk about the the AFC East as well. But if I could, um, the only other thing I think we could point out, uh, you know, Hauschka missed another kick. Did he miss an extra point too, or is that a different game? No, he missed an extra point. Yeah, so yeah. two kicks extra that were not great. Joined- and then doink the third one that was made off the upright and in. Yeah. So, you know, not not his best day. He's certainly not been probably the same guy since he was injured last year. But, you know, I, I don't know that there's anything to be done about kicker at this late in the season. You know, the, the Patriots seem to be swapping deck chairs on that particular Titanic for themselves. But I don't really know that you gain anything from, from bringing somebody else in other than, you know, the, the old, you know, uh, armchair recliner satisfaction of you know being mad at a guy who doesn't do his job well you know like to me it's just like well he's doing it better than some people and probably better than most people that don't have jobs right now so i don't know that's something we need to figure out right now i don't have much else to add to the game other than um it was fun to watch with heaps of wine um i'd like to thank uh bills and beers who gave us a shout out the week before and during their very subdued post-Thursday meal uh, <laughs> version of their podcast. Um, and I'm happy to report that I've been pounding red wine all evening. So um, I feel like we're sort of being the Bills and Beers this week. Yeah. Because they, Watch they the were game sort on of, red wine, do the podcast on red wine. Everyone listen to this podcast on red wine. Exactly. Red, red zone wine. Um, <laughs> but I really don't know what else I could have asked for. From this game, I really felt like it was a complete game, and that's the kind of game that you could take into New England, and you could take to the Jets, and you could take to the Steelers, and you could win all three of those games, and you could take to the Baltimore and, and give yourself a chance. Um, so we'll see, and I, and I can't wait to, to dissect that one a bit more, but let's not belabor this any longer. Can you give us our three stars for the game, Scott? Uh, and then, because we're gonna we're gonna goof around with sure. some playoff scenarios afterwards. I, I I will also add one final point that I didn't bring up, and that Paul Paul didn't another great <laughs> game from Brian Dayball, and I think he's yes. really in the in the in the zone right now with his play calling and what's comfortable for Allen, what's comfortable for the team, and and feeling in rhythm. I think the move up to the booth has been helpful for everyone in that regard. And I think he's he's seeing the field better. He's seeing where the matchups are. I think that was a great, great decision yeah. by everyone to do and that. And it's super refreshing, especially the, the example I can think of is is the Sabres right now, where Phil Housley literally beat his head against a wall trying to do the same thing for 164 games. And to and and, and we've had football coaches like that, where like Dick Duran wouldn't change, and Rex Ryan didn't really change, and. None of those guys really changed and, and, and not just Dable, but but McDermott as well to give him the flexibility to say, OK, let's go for it on fourth downs more and adjust the game plan to, to what we're comfortable doing. And and so yeah. kudos, kudos to them. I agree. Yeah. Dable's found that and uh, just jump in. Dable's really found that identity of we're going to run tempo offense with 11 personnel. That is one running back, one tight end and three receivers and stop rotating so much. The only rotation seems to be McKenzie and Foster's that number three guy. But it's been Brown, Beasley, Knox and uh, Singletary with Gore and, and Croft rotating in. And he's stuck with it. And those guys have produced. Awesome. And OK. And, and also yep. and not and not just running and not just running the, the offense out of 11 personnel, but also still running the ball. 
not just yes. throwing it 40 times a game because you have five receivers on the three wide receivers on the field, but still having balance in the offense. So the okay. best way to three run times. it too, when you have Josh Allen, don't you don't Including need him. to like freaking bring in the, the jumbos, man, just yeah. get out there and run it. It's going to work. Yeah. Okay. Put, put the, Put those six foot tall, 180 pounds defensive backs, make him tackle Josh Allen, who's bigger than all of them. Exactly. Um, yes. So, three stars. Uh, we are going to start with honorable mentions. Go to Charlotte Hulale for literally doing nothing other than that sweet interception, big man interception, gets him an honorable mention. And then yeah. a, a solid, more solid honorable mention goes to Ed Oliver, who, again, if, if you've got two sacks and four tackles and a pass deflection, uh, and you're Ed Oliver, and you're an honorable mention. That's a pretty good day at the office for the Bills. Ed Oliver had a pretty good day at the office himself, coming into his own. I will also say a bit, you know, on some level, he probably had a hand in the guy, the guard who was blocking him, tearing his ACL. And then yep. immediately on the like the next play, he gets the strip sack on on Prescott to to really set up the next Bills touchdown. So you know, okay. Don't you don't need to hurt him, Ed, but just go straight <laughs> to this sack. I think is probably good enough for most days. But you know, if if that's what it takes, I'm, you know, I'm not saying never do it. Just save it for the really important games. How about that? Um, so yeah, g- another good game from Oliver. Again, hopefully he's running into forms ever since his little benching uh, a couple weeks ago. Maybe got the message and he kind of acknowledged at the time, hey, it's a production-based league. I'm not producing. Can't can't really complain. And that 100% very mature attitude for a 22, 23-year-old guy. Um, moving on, third star goes to uh, – I have to give it to Zeke Elliott because really I don't know what this game would have been like if they just kept giving him the ball because he had literally 12 carries for 71 rushing yards. I feel like and- all of them were in the first quarter and a half. And then they another, really kind of gave up. And, and another seven, seven more, catches, yeah. Sorry, seven, more catches for, seven more catches for 66 yards, which, again, is 19, 19 touches and ooh, 137 yards. That's a pretty good day at the office. And, again, he was not really a focal point of the team after the after the halftime. So, um, you know, so well, uh, think about that maybe in the future, Dallas. Maybe you should – you. Gave that guy a hundred million dollar running back contract. You should probably give him the ball more. Um, anyway, <laughs> a little bit. So, second star, Josh mm-hmm. Allen, nineteen to twenty-four, two hundred thirty-one yards, touchdown, one twenty QB rating, seventy-seven point seven QBR, another forty-three carries, uh, excuse me, forty-three yards on the ground, plus the nice touchdown run. As we've been talking about, very comfortable with what they're doing on the on offensive side. Excellent at hitting these intermediate throws. Better accuracy in the short range. You know, the deep balls, again, whatever. It's not a high percentage throw anyway, so it's not like if you're counting on the deep balls to win you the game, you're probably not going to do that well anyway. It's a nice way to add things on, but based on the amount of talent that we have on the team, finding all the receivers that we have, he's doing a good job with all of that. So as long as you're scoring enough points to win the game, that's kind of the biggest thing on some level. On some level. And then I will end your three stars with the first star, Cole Beasley. In the return to Dallas, six catches, 110 yards, a touchdown. Uh, again, caught the nice uh, pass that Paul mentioned earlier on that third down when the game was still kind of very much in question in that first 10 minutes of the first quarter. And then obviously the touchdown catch uh, coming over traffic between the two receivers, a typical kind of Cole Beasley kind of over the middle, tough catch. Um, 
a guy we haven't talked about as much this year. Obviously, John Brown has gotten a lot of the um, a lot of the credit and a lot of the due because obviously he's leading the conference in receiving yards. I think still, yeah. um, but Beasley is uh, I think someone who has been called on at various points this year and has pretty much delivered almost every time. I think there's only been one or two times where I felt like he really needed to catch passes and he didn't. Um, and they've usually been tough catches or things we needed for third downs. I think he's proven to be a very reliable guy and he's on his own pace for career highs in, in catches and targets and yards and touchdowns, I believe as well. So I, I think it's a mutually, and he said as much after the game that this is, you know, I'm, I'm glad on, I'm glad I'm on this side. So I think uh, Cole Beasley is your first star and uh, many happy returns to him over his next couple of years of this contract. And uh, yeah, those are your three stars. Uh, excellently done. Expertly done uh, per usual from, from Scott. I'd like to go. Um, let's, you know, I, okay. Yeah. We're, we're, you can rejuggle the agenda anyway. No, no, want. no, you're good. I see where Josh and Lamar is. Cause I, I think that's, you're rightly part of the Ravens preview. Um, the playoff scenarios. Um, the the short of it is that the Bills, if they basically win any one of these games, are at ninety eight percent to go in. Like there's the slimmest of weird chances that they wouldn't make it at ten and six. Um, Paul, you said if they lose out, it gets down to about forty. Four, yep, forty six percent. If they if they lose all four, including that Jets one to end the year, and if they right. beat Pittsburgh. No matter what happens in any of the other games, their odds are over ninety nine percent. Yeah, that's that the cl- that's the clutch game. Like that's the easily the the most pivotal game because it most directly affects. I'm getting fifty five percent chance if they lose all four games now, but so that might have been based on I don't know. But the, the New York Times is also running simulations, so it's safe to say it's about a, it's a basically a coin toss if they were to lose all four. Um, if they if they win two games, it's it's toast. I think that they're, I think that they, they pretty much are at a hundred percent. Any two of the games, which at this point you would think is, is definitely possible. Um, The, the Steelers being the most important, the Jets being the most winnable. And then, you know, the Patriots and the Ravens, the other two games, is this where we want to talk about? um, Steven certainly asked it, you know, if the bills win out, do they win the division and what are the tiebreakers? And, This is one of the places where I would refer you to Buffalo Rumblings, who, to be honest, they had three different articles at some point, like the Bills can't clinch this week. Then they were like, actually, the Bills can clinch this week. Uh, and then they had another one saying um, that the, the the Bills winning out is not the not the deal. Um, so the way that it works out, the wild card tiebreakers are different than the division tiebreakers. And the wild card tiebreakers, basically the, the the one that you get down to would be your conference record. And the Bills are actually decently positioned with regards to conference record. They've lost to the Browns, and they've lost to the Eagles, and they've lost to the Patriots. And any scenario where you're talking about the Bills winning the AFC East involves them beating the Patriots back in a couple of weeks. So that becomes a wash. And then they'd have a good conference, but that's only for the wild card. For the division, what comes first is games against a common opponents and the bills have lost those games against the Browns and Eagles games that the Patriots have already won. And so you're stuck now pretty much like the Patriots would have to lose to the jets. I, I don't fully believe that they would have to finish ahead of the Patriots. I think there's a weird way in the Patriots could lose games to the jets 
and the I Bills. Think, I, I think no, I think the page. I don't. I thought maybe I'm reading the wrong article, but I thought that if the Jets lose to the, if excuse me, if the Patriots lose to the Chiefs and they lose to the Bills, and then the Bills still win out, I thought that still put us in ahead of them. Yeah, the, the 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 thing is, the Bills have to finish with more wins. That would give the Bills more wins. Exactly. Than, so that's right. that's that's, that, that's the, the most viable right. way that we win the division. Exactly. The Pats lose to the Chiefs on this right. Sunday, and the Bills beat the, win win out, which is right. And I and people are saying that you can't have the same record, and the Bills win at this point. I'm not convinced that that's the case because I think there's a weird scenario where they could have the same record. But the Bills, one of the Patriots yeah. lost. It literally, I think, involves the, yeah, the Patriots have to lose to the Bengals and the Dolphins to make that scenario happen. And I simply right. don't see that. happening. Right. So I, I think you're better off like rooting for the Bills to end up with more wins. So you're talking the Patriots would have to let and let me see if I can pull up the rest of their their schedule really quickly probably. yeah it's the my it's miami and 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 the jets and cincinnati i think are their final and then buffalo right so or, so or no it, no it, it's, no, it's uh, not. miami and the bengals and the bills and, and the chiefs the bills and the chiefs those are, right yeah those so you probably so you want them to lose, lose to, if, yeah, yeah i was gonna say you need them to lose to the bills in the if they, let's say the bills don't win out which is going to be very tough to do with the schedule that they have sure. last yeah. starting sunday yeah they would need the Bills, the Patriots lose at the Chiefs. They'd need to beat the Pats themselves and then hope for one upset along the way. Not the Chiefs being the Pats would be an upset, but that is a that is a feasible that is a an upset that would not really surprise that many people. Right. So the the short answer for Steven and anybody else wondering, the Bills would have to get to thirteen and three, you know, beat the Ravens steal which honestly, like of all the scenarios for me, it's 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 more likely to me that the Patriots lose two games and the Bills win all four of their games than it is to say the Bills win three of one and the Patriots somehow blow a game against the Dolphins or Bengals as well as the Bills and um, Chiefs. I think that you're you're kind of in that boat. But you know what's great is it's, you know, <laughs> it's week 13 or 14 and we're talking about it and it's it's like a non-realistic playoff conversation. Right. Like yeah. Normally this is when we're like, okay, we're five and seven. And what we need to have happen is some of the, these other teams have kind of weak, kind of tough schedules. Yeah. Our schedule might be a little weak. So let's yeah. see. Yeah. We need the, and, we need, and, yeah, we need the to, Bengals to beat the Patriots and that should be okay. <laughs> and yeah, that's kind of and, stuff. We need to just discuss. to like, you know, put a point on it right now, the bills would be leading the West or the South in the AFC. They'd be at one game back of the Ravens with maybe a better, you know, I don't know. Obviously we can't say what the, the common opponents would be. Um, you know, the East, the Packers, like there's, there's nine and three, nine and three most years at this time, you're, you're, if you're not leading the division, you're like right there for it. So it's only again, once again, getting a little screwed by the Patriots here, um, you know, that the, that the bills aren't really in this, in this situation. Paul, I've heard your, your comments on it. Scott, what are your comments on just sort of making the playoffs here? Um, and, and how you think it will happen or if it will happen or, yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, yeah, it's, I don't, if you're, I mean, we'll get to the Ravens preview later. I think that to me, if you watch that Pats game on Sunday, did anyone watch that Pats game on Sunday? We kind of said, I watched the last three quarters when I got back from, uh, Richmond. 
they, I mean, now admittedly the Pats had a little comeback there after the Houston was up three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and kind of made that game a little closer than it was. But I watched a lot of that first half. They didn't look good at all. Mm-hmm. They didn't look good at all. And we've seen the Pats be like, not look that good over various points of the years, but there's a really good article. Again, I've referenced in the past. Barnwell did a really nice article on ESPN.com about all the reasons that the Pats aren't as good on offense as they have been in the past. And that he goes back to, he was 11 or 12 where the Pats, you know, they, they got hammered by the chiefs by like 25 points on, on, you know, Monday night or Sunday night football. And then belt, that was the onto Cincinnati kind of Belichick press conference. Right. And, and it was a month of where the Pats were sucking on offense. They bring on Krowski back. The offensive line gets figured out. Suddenly they turn into the same old Pats and they're, they're, they're killing people again. And they go on to win like three more Super Bowls And since that time. Mm-hmm. But his point is that, that was only four games and they knew they had Gronkowski coming off the bench. Who's, you know, a top two all time tight end at minimum. Um, they do not have Rob Gronkowski coming out of that top anytime soon. And there is no sense that Philip Dorsett or Muhammad Sanu are going to turn into that kind of dominant matchup nightmare that Gronkowski was. And that, yeah, their offensive line might get their stuff together, but they also just lost their backup center on Sunday night for who knows how long. And mm-hmm. the guys that they have on the team, like Marshall Newhouse had snaps on Sunday night because, you know, guys were getting dinged. Yeah, so, Marshall and, Newhouse uh, was their starting left tackle for the first eight games of the season. A guy who wasn't even good enough to be the Bills' sixth tackle, that they, they are cut, sixth offensive lineman that they cut midway through last year. They signed Russell Bodine from the Bills, or they traded from him, and then cut him earlier this year because he's just not that good. He's yep. not you know, but the fact they even considered him is ridiculous. So again, like I don't want to say that they're dead, but they're certainly vulnerable. So sure. I could see them losing a game, at least one game in the next month. I think the problem is just with the schedule. I don't know that it's going to be more than one. So to me, that leads you very much into this kind of weird netherworld where somehow, you know, the bills went out, which again, seems just tough. Let me bring up, um michael's question too because it fits here would you rather the bills win the division over the patriots but lose out in their first playoff game or that they take the wild card with the gambler's chance at the super bowl and at this point i think i'd rather the latter because i think that buffalo is going to go into the playoffs and i'm saying that and knocking some wood here but i think they're going to go into the playoffs as a team that most other like that whichever division winning team they play even if it's the chiefs like like I think Buffalo like is going to be a betting not a favorite but I think people are going to want to bet on them because I think Buffalo is going to go in with some chops and 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 really kind of scare a couple of teams and so I'd rather it's not that I wouldn't take the division I think that'd be a really wonderful feather in the cap to be the first and basically only team um to really beat a legitimate Tom Brady team out of a division a division title um, but I'm, I'm excited that however the bills finish and I'm expecting them to take the five seed that, that they probably can win a, a football game against whoever the, the three or four seed is. Yeah. I would, and, differently. It, it, and you're right about gamblers money. If, if they, especially if they beat the, the, the Steelers in two weeks, that is a, you know, and we'll get to this in a minute, but that's a nationally televised game on what's always the highest rated game of the week and usually the mm-hmm. highest rated television program of the week. A lot of money is going to swing the bills way there. And yeah, I would rather, 
I would rather see the Bills win a playoff game this year, even if it's not winning the division on seeing the Patriots this year, just because I feel like that's tougher to control at this point for all the reasons Scott mentioned about what we kind of have to hope for uh, in order for that to happen. But I think this is a team that is, what, five and one on the road for the first time in 30 years, something like that. They can win on the road and they can win on the road, hopefully against good teams. We'll see if they can do it in, in Pittsburgh uh, and in New England or, you know, either of those spots, really. And if Dallas ends up being nine and seven, ten and six, that's the type of team they're going to face in the playoffs. So I really kind of want to see them end that you know, 24 year haven't won a playoff game streak. Cause I feel like I still hear more about that than I want to. I don't want to be listening to, they can't get past the first round, you know, anymore. Okay. Although I, then that's too much for me in one year. Cause my baseball team did that too. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Neither does Scott. Um, let's talk yeah. about, Oh, go ahead, please. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, did, I, I didn't give you a chance. There. No, no, no. Briefly, I will. Okay. Can I, can I briefly posit a different scenario? Surely. Absolutely. Would, you, would you rather win the division, but you know you've got to play um, the, uh, the Ravens before you get it? Like, like, even if you beat the team that comes out of the, the wild, of the, of the division of the wild card weekend round, whether it's Kansas City, uh, New England, presumably at that point, Houston or, you know, Pittsburgh, maybe, let's say, would you rather? And then, you know, the, the Ravens win their game. So, you know, you're gonna have to play them in the, in the conference championship. Or would you rather take the wild card? But you know that there's a good chance that Ravens will get. Let's just say hypothetically, the Ravens get taken down before the conference championship. game. Yeah, no, I'm in I'm in scenario two all the way. Uh, okay. I, I'm I'm ready for the Bills to accidentally, you know, <laughs> beat a couple teams in the playoffs and, okay. and and be the quote hot team at the right time. I think that that if if the Bills are legit, if this is legitimate, right, and th- it, that's definitely a question for the off season about you know looking back on it, how much of it was the schedule? I'm certain some part of it was. How much new talent gets added? What happens to the Patriots and the Jets? more so than the Dolphins. I think that if the Bills are legitimate, and I'm leaning towards that they are, that division is going to be there for the next couple of years to try and win. I think that that is, you know, a nice stepping stone forward. But as you are fond of saying, Scott, the, the, the focus is not making the playoffs and ultimately probably not winning the division. It's winning the Super Bowl. So if I can get a scenario where, you know, probably the best team, regular season team in the AFC is out and you know you're left with a team in division that so far the difference was a special teams snafu uh and Mm -hmm. a chiefs team that has routinely you know not just as the chiefs but as the eagles with uh andy Reid choked him choked away playoff games then uh, you know i'm ready for buffalo to have a look at the afc south winner and then you know, with whoever's left amongst the East and the West in the next couple of games. Yeah, I'm in the same scenario as is Frank. I would okay. rather, you know, they're going to get to face the, you get to the playoffs if they make the Super Bowl, maybe they avoid Baltimore. Whoever comes out of the NFC is going to be a very good team. Like even the, the six seed in the NFC is going to be good. So they're going to have to play someone good to kind of get there. I do feel compelled to bring up a tweet I saw earlier today, which said, 
Again, I must reiterate that the Buffalo Bills would be in first place right now if they won a home game where the Patriots scored nine offensive points. God fucking damn it. Exactly. That would be, we wouldn't even be discussing this right now if they had, uh, they had done that. We would be talking about being the driver's seat for the division, but I think now we're all talking about foresight in the future rather than, you know, what could have changed in the past. Cause let's be honest, they're also lucky to win a lot of close games against bad teams earlier in the season. So we'll, we'll take nine and three. Thank you very much. Well, let me, let me, let me I, it's time to move on gents. I'm sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. The bills, the bills will play including Thursday, three of their four games on national television, um, two of the next three. And for us, uh, specifically in the DC area, it'll be four weeks in a row that we have, don't have to go to sports bars or pirate a video channel or, Go to a friend's house who has the Dish Network because they play Baltimore this week. The the Bills have been flexed. They had already been flexed to be the Saturday game against the uh, Patriots earlier a few weeks ago. Uh, that'll be the Saturday before Christmas. Um, and then now the Steelers and Bills, a pivotal, you know, what could be a pivotal um, wildcard matchup. Um, to determine who who's you know the the Steelers are clinging here and the Bills are uh, absolutely will be the the bill if the Bills uh, not to interrupt Frank but if the Bills lose to the Ravens certainly likely and the Steelers beat the Cardinals this week that game will be for wild card one for AFC number five uh, at that right. point Steelers will be in control if they beat the Bills for that first wild card spot so a huge game um, but even though we are currently the hunted. Uh, to to paraphrase another podcast, um, but that has been flexed to Sunday Night Football um, to get a huge huge audience for the second week in a row or second of three weeks, and then and then you know just in case you didn't have enough of the Bills, America, you're going to see them again play uh, the Dolphin or the uh, the Patriots on on Saturday. So huge huge respect and huge props for a nine and three Bills team. Um, I, please keep the comments brief because we, we're running a little here. Um, but a, any thoughts on w- what this means for Buffalo respect wise, or do you, do you feel, I feel it. I feel like, I feel like it's a nice thing that coming out of Thanksgiving, I've had nothing but people tell me like, you know, the bills seem all right. You know, whether it's yeah. on the street or reading something, um, you know, I try not to pay attention to power rankings and stuff anymore or, 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 or the general emotional, uh, states, especially as Scott pointed out, like Dallas probably ultimately going to be looked at as not a great team this year, but you know, they're going to have a couple more chances in front of the nation here to, to do some damage. Um, please, I open the floor. What are your thoughts on the bills and the Patriot and, and the Steelers game being flexed? I'll jump I, in. Since, oh, Scott, so, go ahead. I was no, okay. I, I, That's my fault. I was supposed to direct traffic. I, <laughs> I, I was Scott, I have all the gentlemen, so we're both like so, waiting. Like maybe the other one right. will jump in, and then we jumped in at the same time. And and now we've spent all of our time arguing about who should go first so and not talking much, about this. Questions. So <laughs> I I yield my time to the gentleman from Buffalo, or right. from you know DC at this point, but 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 from Buffalo originally. So yeah, yeah this is the. October 10th, 1999, guys. I don't know what you were thinking or doing back then. You you might be able to remember it. That is the last time the Bills beat the Steelers. That was at New Era Field, then called Ralph Wilson Stadium in Orchard Park, New York. A 24-21 victory. 
uh, opened up where the Bills, uh, the opening scores were by Heinz Ward and Sam Gash. And it was a big battle between uh, the original running QBs, Doug Flutie and Cordell Stewart, uh, who both played very well that, that day. So that's how long it's been since the Bills have beaten the Steelers. Do you know when the last time the Bills won on Sunday night? That is not rhetorical. I, I don't know. I remember them beating Tennessee in 2000, but I don't know if they've won since. They have exercised so many demons this year, most recently last week, to win against the Cowboys. And we all had that Monday night football game 13 years ago, that nightmare game in our head against the Cowboys. We had those two Super Bowls against the Cowboys. And to be scheduled on Thanksgiving for their one primetime game this year, going into the season, their one primetime game this year, and to be able to and to have a lot of people comment like, why the six and ten bills getting this spot? And then to go out and shut everyone up and then to get this game is a very satisfying feeling. And I am I am ready for them to put up or shut up uh, next weekend on Sunday night. And and like Frank said, we'll have plenty of time in the offseason to discuss if they're for real or not. But if they can win this game in a one of the toughest environments to play in in football against a team they have not beaten in literally two decades, not an NFC team, mind you, but a team that actually play with some regularity, uh, that would go a long way toward making me a very happy football fan. I have nothing further. All right, let's move on to our listener questions, uh, which I heard from a source today were not terrible. So that is really good to hear. Were there any on the tweeter? There were not. We had a lot of likes. Well, we had five likes on our uh, comment about we're interested in your questions, but that was it. So on to All Facebook right. we go. On to Facebook we go. Um, let's see. Phil Arnold, one thing I noticed recently is that the offense with a C, because Phil, our friend, is from the UK, they line up quickly, then Ellen stops and barks out some instructions, and then they make the play. Is this a McVeigh Goff thing going on? So they get a look at the defense and then new instructions are fed down from Dable in the booth. Or is Allen doing the reading? It's probably a combination of both, but it seems like a new strategy and seems to be working. Steven follows up with, I've wondered this too, but haven't heard any reports asking it, reporters asking it. I'm sure Dable is talking to him. Too much of a coincidence, excuse me, to think that Dable goes up top the same week that the quote lights go on for Allen. I don't know the answer to that question, obviously, because I'm not there. But I know that that helmet conversation cuts off with about 15 seconds to go. Is that right? Yes. So on some level, Phil, I feel like Alan needs to be making those choices. Now, it could be that I, I would guess that, you know, the 11, you know, the, the up-tempo offense – is helping them because the defense doesn't have a lot of opportunity to change. And when the defense doesn't have an opportunity to change, it limits the type of formations they're in. So it probably, it could be a situation where Dable says, okay, it's play a, if this and play B, if that, and then, so, and and then Alan gets to the line and looks and he says, okay, we're going to do play plan B because I can see that the mic is here and the, the the Jojo Junior Shabadoo is there and that's the stupidest that's they... name I've ever heard. <laughs> Come back, Joey Jojo. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's I would guess it's some level of that because I think that the certainly all year they have been limiting the playbook for Allen, which sounds I think worse than it is. So I think it's the exceptional quarterback that has the whole playbook 
game plan in, in his head and can in, and can go from one to the next. So I, I'm sort of okay with it. Does anybody disagree with that assessment or have different thoughts? So I think, uh, excuse me, sorry. How dare you? How dare right. you? So I think, yeah, so there, there is the 15 second thing. And, and based on how I'm seeing it, and I'm not like, I obviously like broke, I did not get a chance to break down this question like since I saw it today. But from what I recall, it's not like we are snapping it with 15 seconds left on the clock. Because that's very much what the Rams were trying to do in the golf McVay comparison of like, they're getting up the line so fast that McVay can read the defense for five seconds, tell golf where to go to the ball, and they snap it before the defense has a chance to move. The problem was, was that the Pats in their game basically just kept moving everyone around in the Super Bowl to keep McVay from being able to tell golf what to do. And then the, the basically while they were moving enough, they, the, the, the Rams never snapped it because they were trying to wait to see what the things were to see what the formation was. And right. then after the, the things snapped off, Belichick went to the defense and golf was, was unable to figure it out. So I think, you know, there is some value in keeping a little bit of the communication, but from what I can tell, and I think what I've been reading is they are putting they are putting it on Allen to make those checks of run to pass or that play to that play after that 15 seconds and that the hurry it up is designed to get him into the get him in a position where he can see what the defense is doing, make his own reads mentally, and then process things as they're changing rather than have the coaches assist him. I'm sure there's a little of that going on, but again, I, I don't I don't think that's the primary goal of it as far as I can tell. Yep, Scott gave the full answer. Nothing to add on this front. Uh, Steven, who once again pictured in front of the great house of guitars, I love it. Lawson is looking really solid, should command a lot this offseason. What do you think about the Bills trying to keep him? We also need help at defensive end as it is. Hughes can't have much left in the tank. Murphy isn't showing much. This is already going to be a hole to fill this offseason. No need to make it two holes, so I think we know which way Steven's leaning. Um, I know he's going to fetch a lot as a free agent based on his performance this year. But the Bills have something like $11.5 squajillion in cap space. What better use of it than a guy you already know who already knows the system and is producing? Um, I think it's closer to $90 million, but the point is well taken since you're probably not going to give all $90 million of it in one year to, to Lawson. Um, the thing okay. is, I think Shaq Lawson is replaceable. I think Shaq Lawson has gone from a eh, player to a nice player. And I think that you can get a nice defensive end in a lot of places. And I think that includes the draft. And my guess is Lawson gets an offer. I wouldn't call it a low ball, but I don't think they were sold on him. I think it's really great how he's turned around, especially in a regime that was kind of quick to cut people that didn't really fit their system and so I, i'm really happy for him uh but to me it's a need my guess is that they're gonna want to draft that position or go after somebody else to be honest i don't fully know the defensive end market for next year but i don't see the him getting a lot of money from the bills given that most of his body of work was okay or meh but not really good. Yeah, I'll line up with you on this one, Frank. I think he's had a career. He is, first of all, as Frank pointed out, he is the lone survivor. He is the only Bills draft pick from before 
the McDermott Bean era still on the team now that Kyle's retired and and Eric Woods retired. He is legitimately the only one still on the team. So obviously they've seen enough in him, but they also didn't want to give him a fifth year option. They also brought in Trent Murphy a year ago and Trent's still getting a fair number of the starts. I think he's, he's, he's done well this year. He's especially done well against some average to below average offensive linemen. They switch sides with him and Hughes. Now Hughes has the tougher assignment of usually going against the left tackle, whereas Lawson gets the right in a lot of instances, though he's done well enough to earn some some on the other side as well. But yeah, I think he's a nice, fine player. But I think because he's having a career year, he's probably going to command more money than he's necessarily worth. And I think that makes him replaceable. But Steven's got a point like you're opening up another hole here and you're probably going to cut Trent Murphy because that will save you $7.2 million at the end of the year if you do that. And so then you've really got three holes to fill on your defensive line rotation and then an aging Jerry Hughes. So I think it depends on what they see in free agency in the draft, but I'd be okay actually with losing Shaq. Yeah, I it's I'm kind of, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say Shaq is a different player or that he's going to be a dominant pass rusher. I think what you would say is one of the least depth, assuming, yes, I agree, we cut Murphy in the offseason because he's just not worth $7 million a year. Yeah. Um, I, I think if you're going to spend $7 million a year on a defensive end right now on this team, you're going to spend it on Shaq Lawson probably rather than mm-hmm. Trent Murphy or Jerry Hughes, as much as Jerry's a nice guy and, and done some good things for us, he's not getting any younger. So, um, you know, he could still stay on the team, but I don't just, in terms right. of and Jerry's money, under contract for the rest of his career, essentially. I think they yeah. extend him through 2021. So he's around yeah. till then. I don't know what the number is, but it, I'm sure it's somewhat reasonable. Yeah. And, Hughes and is a, he's at 9.5 next year, but more expensive. It's to not terrible. No. Um, but yeah, exactly. More expensive. to come. So, the, so, yeah, if you're going to invest in one guy, I would say it's Shaq Lawson. Yeah, you don't want to overpay. Um, but I do agree that, like, of all of the weaknesses on the defense right now, I would say maybe it's the, it's the strong side backer Lorenzo Alexander replacement a little bit just because, again, like, I think the linebacker depth is, is okay, but they're mostly special teams guys. They're not, like, future starters as far as I can tell. Um, and that, to me, is not all that different than having – your kind of stand up, you know, dominant kind of pass rusher. And yeah, that's someone you need to draft or find in free agency, but then you still need the other guy. If we're going to get rid of Murphy and Hughes is going to be more of a rotation guy going forward. Cause I don't, I don't know that we're going to have a lot more like 10 sack seasons from Jerry Hughes going forward. Just quickly. So, you, I, I'm not um, sure. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 that's, that, that, that's pretty much it is. I just feel like there's enough holes and, and Lawson is a good run defender and his improvement in the pass rush game suggests that maybe he's learning some more things. And if he finishes the season with seven, eight sacks, I feel like he can be on a Super Bowl caliber team. If he's your number two defensive end, I feel like that's viable. I just would quickly point out that, um, you know, you could resign him or maybe you could draft somebody and then throw a shit ton of money at Judavian Clowney, who will be available. Uh, <laughs> um, there, there's also yeah, Len- Leonard Williams, Vic Beasley. I mean, like there's a couple of names, you know, Shaq Lawson's up there. I'm not, I'm not goofing around. Like I'm, I'm, I'm only focusing guys and guys on their twenties too. I mean, yeah. they're, you know, Ezekiel Ansa, you know, Michael Bennett's 34, Gerald McCoy is 32, um, Leonard Williams is 26. Uh, I think I said him, Vic Beasley. 
I mean, yeah. so Lawson's actually up there. I, I, I think that Lawson, Lawson is up there, but I don't know that he's irreplaceable. I think that the, the biggest thing he has going for him is the is the lack of depth on the line. But you, you're right; you don't want him to take the one of these. You, you don't want him to command the top money. So and 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 presumably he's at least willing to consider coming to Buffalo again, even though we had the chance to pick him up with the fifth year extension, which we declined. He's at least knows the city and would play in it. Whereas you know some guys are just probably on the I'll never play in Buffalo bandwagon, which hopefully is not as viable as it was given the team's winning more this year, but obviously you can't. Some people just don't want to play in cold weather. So that's it. Okay. Um, yes, exactly. Steven also wanted to know who has beat the Ravens. How did they do it? And can Buffalo do that? Steven, we are going to address your question when we talk about the Ravens at the end of the game. I have looked into that question. As have so, I. It, is a, it is a good question, and I have as well. Yep. All right. That's good. why so we we'll... all looked into it. That's right. That's what we were all doing while the other person was talking. <laughs> um, but I think we should get to uh, this day in Bill's headlines so we can then go ahead and get into that Ravens pre- preview. We are going to skip our typical fourth quarter preview of the season in a weird way, almost because so much is at stake now that <laughs> yeah. it's it's just kind of like we're here now and it doesn't behoove us to talk about what the final record might be, which you know, when in that any is, given week we could be like qualifying for the playoffs. And so that we're has gonna... been replaced by the playoff discussion. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that is now a fluff segment. So playoffs. we got get rid of it. All right. And, so we're going to try and go one a minute on this day, December 3rd. So that way we can uh, be right at the hour mark when we start the preview. All right. 2018, December 3rd, 2018. You can blame blank for drop on potential game winner says it hit blank totally alone in the hands. That's all you need to know. 2018, 2018. So I don't want to give you the team because so many people through the years, right? But I'll give you three other headlines from that day. that will give you context and maybe provide the game. You'll be like, Oh, plenty of blame. Oh no, it's my, it's the Miami game. Yep. It is. It's uh, it's uh, Charles Clay. Charles Clay. Good job. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sorry to cut off your 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 extra headlines. I just no. It saves us saves us time. All right. Uh, 2017 through 2011, there was crap. So we're gonna go back to 2010. Blank believes he did his best in Bill's interview. He says, "I felt I put my best foot forward and did the best I could in that area. It was a good experience for me. It was a good opportunity. Things worked out like they should. I'm happy with where I am, and I'm sure the Bills are happy with their choice." So things worked out great. So this was a guy who was referencing his interview with the Bills for their head coaching position a year prior. He was at that time the assistant head coach and defensive coordinator at Minnesota and soon became their head coach. Mike Tice. No, no, but good guess. That was a former Minnesota coach. There's he then went on to coach for the Bucks as a defensive coordinator and then with the Ravens secondary. I don't want to tell Bucks you where he is now because that's gonna give it away. Ravens, Minnesota. Minnesota head coach for a few years. He now currently Mike Zimmer. No, currently coaches in Buffalo. Is a defensive one of the defensive coaches. Leslie Frazier. Leslie Frazier. There you go. Oh, cool. Sense. Yep. 
All right, so he did. He did an interview for the Bills nine years ago. And speaking of defensive coaches taking the the uh, the head coaching job, Ooh, quick shot. Oh, hold that thought for one second, Frank. Oh, okay, never mind. 2009, Blank getting a crash course as head coach. <laughs> Perry Fuel. Very Perry good. Fuel. Continue, Frank. You were saying. I was just going to say a quick shout out to him, who uh, was announced as the interim head coach for the third team in 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 his career. Um, one of these days, they're going to not be afraid and actually just hire Perry Fuel. But with Riverboat Run getting the 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 can in Carolina, he's now on his third interim job. Honestly, I wonder. I, I wonder if he's almost got enough. Like, if he has like a full season of interim head yeah, coaching. Yeah, he's closing point. in on sixteen games once he finishes this one. So this is this is one of those things where they say if you have to start the sentence this way, don't start it. Um, I don't think this is racist to say this. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, yep. I could real. I could tell by the quote that this smelled like someone being who knew they got interviewed under the Rooney rule and yes. knew that it was a, it was, it was something that they didn't really have a chance. Of. I don't think that that's racist. I think that you are literally standing up for the idea that somebody was probably be someone else was probably. Yes. Being racist. That's pointing out racism and not. not I, I, I think that's probably what that is. Yeah. Cause I, I was literally like, we're a little confused about which, you know, it's okay. <laughs> we're we're I, taking that one, I'm but yeah, we're not, we're not going to name names for the bills decision makers, but, but it's Russ Brandon. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just figured I'd sneak that shot in 2008 blank forever remembered by bills. It says in a special share out ceremony with the blank family and friends. Jim, (laughs) that'd be perfect. Lauren. No. Um, Oh, Oh, Frank. I cut it off. Lauren Jones, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Bills renamed the 12th man wall of walk of fame. Blank, blank plaza and dedicated the plaza in his honor. Now, the hint, the first hint I'll give you is this is not a football player that the Bills named their plaza after. Ralph Wilson? No, no, but a good guess. He was still alive at this point. This guy was not alive at this point. He had recently he named, passed. He named the stadium after himself. I think him being alive doesn't have much to do with it. So Fair point, fair point. Uh, uh, he was a member of the news media. Oh, Van Miller? No, no, did not cover football, but often talked about the Bills. Okay. Oh, um, um, uh, uh, the, the, meet the press guy. Yes. Tim Russert. Russert. Tim Russert. Good job, Scott. You snapped your fingers, you got the answer. Yeah. All right, 1999. Pro Bowl caliber surge cast spotlight on unassuming blank. Uh, the hint is he did not make the Pro Bowl that year or any year, but is on the Bills' wall of fame. He had 11 seasons with the team from 91 to 2001. I'll give you a, I'll give you a side of the ball, at least a defensive side of the ball. Hmm. He had offensive player. Uh, surge casts spotlight on unassuming blank. And this is from 1999. So an unassuming guy, not a flashy guy. Uh, could it have been Aaron Schobel? No, it's, he was. Uh, he came later. He's he like 2002 or right. something. Similar, can you give similar. us a? Can you give us a line linebacker? Yes, uh, accumulated 61 and a half sacks as a defensive end, which was up there with the most in Bills history, among the most in Bills history. So it would have been bef- a little before Schobel. Not he, Anthony Hargrove. Nope, he's definitely not. not. Played with 
Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith was the guy, who, the other defensive end. Bill Hansen? Bill Hansen. Bill Hansen. There we go. We got Very there. Well we done, got sir. there, Phil. It <laughs> took us a minute. I'm sorry. It's all right. He forgives us. All right. 1998. Ralph Wilson fires back. I don't need pompous lectures. So here we go. The fallout from one of the most controversial losses in Buffalo Bills history continued Thursday, a day after learning the NFL planned to fine him $50,000 for publicly criticizing officials' calls. In in Sunday's 25-21 loss to New England, Buffalo Bills owner Ralph Wilson issued a blistering rebuttal to League Commissioner Paul Tagliabue, said he didn't need pompous lectures from the commissioner and called the $50,000 fine not only unwarranted, but punitive in nature, and the next time he may ask me to sit in the corner. So here comes... The quote, Wilson, Coach Wade Phillips, and several players blasted officials for two calls on the Pats game-winning drive, ruling that wide receiver Sean Jefferson had converted a fourth down with their reception. The TV replays later show it should never have been allowed and flagging strong safety blank for pass interference on a Hail Mary throw, which set up the deciding TD. Mm. Give me guy, the, I need the year again. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, was, uh, it was 1998. This was a... A uh, long-time Bills strong safety. Uh, how long? Henry you... Jones. Henry Jones. Boy, you guys yeah. are. Yeah. That was uh, the only strong safety I could think of from that era. So. <laughs> it would have been like Leonard Smith and John Hagee were the two others from that era I could have thought of off the top of my head. I've been was... waiting forever for Henry Jones to be <laughs> an answer. You keep guessing. He was going to hit that. All right. 1996 blank. O.J. Simpson's pal and Bronco driver. Gets USC dorm named after him. Al Cowlings. Al Cowlings. Yep. Yeah. Fifth overall. USC dorm. USC dorm. Really? The Cowlings residential, whatever it was called. I it was a headline from the Mercury really? News somewhere in California. Yeah. I don't know if it's still named after him. This was 23 years ago. Nate <laughs> named it after him, but he gave a lot of money. He was the Bills' first round pick in 1970. Let me see. USC. Yep. Cowlings dorm. You go with the next one. All right. 1995. Washington Post headline says 49ers 27, Bills 17. Uh, Says linebackers Gary Plummer and Lee Whittle formed an unlikely and stunning scoring combination. The score was tied at 10, about five minutes into the third period. They say period. And the Bills, then eight and four, appeared poised to take command command after a 15-yard run by Blank gave them first and goal to one. But Plummer on the next play launched himself into Blank and knocked the ball loose at the goal line. Woodall outraced Kyrell Gardner and Tim Tyndale to give the San Francisco 49ers a 17-10 lead and complete the second longest fumble return in 49ers history at 96 yards. Yeah, I remember this game, and I'm trying to think who that was. This was was a Sunday night tragedy. It was a Sunday night game, and the Bills were about to take the, yeah, Yeah, I remember this. It was 10-10, and this guy was about to go into the end zone, gets hit at the goal line, literally inside the one. Ball pops out, and the 49ers ran it back 96 yards and never looked back. This was 95 or 94? 95. This was Thurman's backup. Yeah. It wasn't Kenneth seasons. Davis. This was after Kenneth Davis. Yep. Guy, they always talk about his brother being in jail, and and he was undrafted, and he was this big. He had a, a number of 100-yard games with the Bills, and then I had a few 100-yard games with the Packers after that. But it was only in the league, I want to say, something like maybe five seasons. Carwell Gartner was was before this too. No, he, he was, was in fullback. he was in this game. I mentioned him in the headline, but he was he one did. of the guys. He was the Maybe that's why I thought player. about him for a second. Yeah, I was gonna say he was the fullback. Yeah, I'm not gonna remember this one, and I'm gonna be mad because I remember this play distinctly. Yep, it was uh, Derek Holmes. Famous 
Um, oh, sorry. Oh, that's cool. I heard I heard a D come out of Scott's mouth, so I'm assuming he was going to say Derek Holt. Uh, if you'd like, the Collings and Ilium Residential College uh, for $6,100 a semester will get you a two-person occupancy. Uh, one bedroom, two people. A two-bedroom, two-person, also $6,175. Your one-bedroom, three-person occupancy, $4,245 per semester. Um so there you go, USC. Great. That was literally my throwaway is. headline, too. So that I'm so glad that that ended up uh, being the inspiring one for the day. Uh, so now you know what you need to stay at USC. All right, last one, and I'm bringing this one up because this was, guys, the first NFL game I ever attended. All right, blank tries, but bills prevail. That's a New York Times headline for December 3rd. Uh, Blank's achievements now include evidence of an ability to transform an apparent safety into a 95-yard touchdown. His highlight film pass in the final minute of the first half came after he ducked just beneath the grasp of Bruce Smith, the Bills' defensive end in the end zone, retreated to his left and lofted an off-balance pass while leaning on his back foot. The ball was caught by Fred Barnett at the Buffalo 46, and he took it the rest of the way. This was a game where... Fred Barnett... So, you know, Barnett, if you can figure out Barnett's team, you can figure out this guy's team, and that'll give you the answer. I want to say Fred Barnett was a Jet, but that doesn't sound right. Well, if you're, you're thinking it, the it right was... color scheme. So he was an Eagle. He was an Eagle, and this must have been Randall Cunningham. Randall Cunningham, the highlight reel play where... Yeah, That's I was right. I can I was see at. his card now. Yes, I can yep. see Fred Barnett's card now. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I can see the green, right. Yep. That was my first NFL game. The Bills were up 24 to nothing in that game. Or then gave up 23 unanswered. It would have been 24, but Ruzek missed the extra point for Philly. Kelly threw an interception. They tried to, the Eagles tried to lateral it and fumble. The Bills got it, went in, scored one more time. The game was over. But it was a crazy game. That was my first NFL game. December 3rd, gentlemen. Wow. Well, happy anniversary. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really cool. And I think that like, you know, it's nice to see a bills win. And if you're going to see Randall Cunningham throw a 90 plus yard touchdown, (laughs) it's best to do it when his team loses. So I always, I always like Randall and yes, I can see Fred Barnett's Jersey. Now he was definitely an Eagle. Um, okay. The Baltimore rape, excuse me. The Baltimore Ravens are favored by about seven points. Um, the Baltimore Ravens have more games where they have scored 40 points than they have scored in the 20s. The Baltimore Ravens are an exceptional offense. The Baltimore Ravens offense is largely, and by largely, I have to think like 80% the result of Lamar Jackson, who was a quarterback available to the Buffalo Bills uh, with their selection, but they chose Josh Allen. Now, Far be it for me. I think listeners of this podcast know that I do not poo-poo Josh Allen. That's other people's job on this podcast. <laughs> I have found the 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 silver lining in in Josh Allen, and I think that even those amongst us who are not sold on him can agree he's shown improvement over last year and the last couple of games he's played pretty well. All of that said, Josh Allen is not Lamar Jackson. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the only statistic in which Josh Allen and I say this only be, with, with with great love and and, and referent, reverence, um, but I, not this week, but the previous week, there was great outcry on the Buffalo Bills 
uh, uh, Bills and Beers podcast about how Lamar Jackson was getting all this MVP talk, but Josh Allen was sort of getting snubbed. And 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 to everybody there, I appreciate your immediate reaction to the game, and I can see how that in that moment after the game, we all want to think that highly of Josh Allen. Here comes the aluminum chair. Yeah, <laughs> but here's your heel turn for this week, my friends. Lamar Jackson is far and away a better quarterback by any statistical measure you can. And it's not even really close. The only one that Allen leads in is total yards, and that's by a total of 50 passing yards, which gets completely dwarfed when you add in the rushing yards. Um, he's thrown, you know, nine more um, touchdowns. He's thrown three fewer interceptions uh he his running it's like it's not even close he's almost a thousand yard rusher right now Allen has a very respectable 500-ish yards rushing a, a truly like game-changing ability to change with his running he he does a great job running he's not Lamar Jackson he's not Lamar Jackson is great, and I think that it is fair to say that perhaps the Buff the the Baltimore offense was a little more prepared for a quarterback. That perhaps it doesn't come de- just down to this. You know, it's it, it's always in an environment um, that we evaluate any player. But I think it's I I don't think that there's any any reasonable person who can who can sit here and 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 say Josh Allen. Um, is on Lamar Jackson's level. Now, that's for today. Over the course of the next couple of years, I'm thoroughly open to the idea that that changes, that that evens out, that somebody solves Lamar Jackson the way that they solved Russell Wilson and other players, and he's not this guy forever. But um, I, I suppose this could be my inaugural heel turn, which is the new segment that I am debuting this week. Um, <laughs> you know... That in which uh, it was pointed out on the, the the Bills and Beers podcast that I think it was Cass who said, is he the wrestling guy when talking about me? Yes, I am the wrestling guy. <laughs> and I am here as a heel to make you better as the face of the company. So I'm here to be the bad guy. And I'm here to tell you, I'm sorry, Bills fans. Lamar Jackson is better. And it's probably the only mistake that not the only mistake, but it, it, it could turn out to be the second big mistake behind not taking Patrick Mahomes is not taking Lamar Jackson. And the only saving grace is that Josh Allen has gone from cartoon caricature of a quarterback in his draft status to competent quarterback. I would say competent, possibly good quarterback. Um, that is my that is my heel turn and and you know as Scott says feel the shaking anger of the of the aluminum chair as it falls upon upon your your shoulder blades there. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's disrespectful. A disrespectful performance from I just can't possibly play. I don't. I don't think anyone saw that one coming. I yeah. guess I guess just the people of Buffalo aren't smart enough to understand <laughs> this. Boo. <laughs> as as the ravishing Rick Rude said in an event I was once at, I would like all you fat Buffalo bullfrogs to get out of your seat and give this man some respect. That that's excellent. Only only set, I would still put mine ahead. 
when Edge yeah. and Christian came out and said, it's amazing that the camera was invented in a city with so many ugly people in it talking about Rochester. I just was like that, that slayed me. Um, so I'm going to, tr- that is, that that's the heel turn segment for this week. I'm going to work on it because I, I need a segment and I should probably just embrace being the wrestling guy. Um, but let's talk about Bill's Ravens. Cause even if Lamar Jackson is the better quarterback, you know, the, the Bills have beaten a lot of better quarterbacks. You know, they, they do that. That's their thing. They hang in there and, and, and they this do This isn't it. wacky schedule where Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson have to play a 1999 version of NFL Pro Bowl quarterback challenge. It should have been, but it's not. <laughs> um, the two games that the Ravens lost to answer Stevens' questions, back to back, they lost a game against the Chiefs. 33 to 28 and they lost a game to the Browns 40 to 25 and even if you lose look at that 40 to 25 game you know uh Lamar Jackson three touchdowns two interceptions 247 yards passing and another 66 yards rushing um the Ravens get their points so if I'm if I may I'd like to say posit that the way that you beat the Ravens is the one thing that the Bills really haven't done this year and that is just fucking get into a score fest and absolutely own it. Now, perhaps they've never been more prepared than this week. And I'd also po- say, you know, quickly, the Ravens haven't played many defenses like the Bills defense. And I've talked for a while now, so I'd like to turn this over to Paul. Paul, yeah. do you want to kind of pick up the ball there? And, yeah. and, and, and that's, that's what it? I'll yeah. do. I think the, the secret I found with the – and this is all the Bills have to do, that the Chiefs and – and Browns did just get more than 500 total yards. Right. Chiefs did it. Browns did it. You're good. You, you've, you've done that. You've essentially beaten the Ravens. Thank you. Have a good night, everyone. This is B Bills M and Y. Now this is that. No, it's M and Y Bills. M and Y Bills now. Yes. We'll get back to that too. Yes. Go ahead. So you know, Scott joked on wacky schedule when we initially did it. That, you know, what would happen if both head coaches affixed the QB's feet to the feet to the earth as soon as the ball is snapped? And how would that affect this this game? And I the, the Ravens still winning nine to six. This is going to be I I think this will be a slobber knocker of a game. I think you've got to beat the the Ravens by going into a scoring fest almost. As Frank noted, I think the Bills defense will shut down will not shut down Lamar. That was so wrong to say. I think they will do a better <laughs> he just job. Just scored a touchdown. <laughs> I, they will do a better yeah just right now. He, he, they will do I think a better job containing Lamar than many teams. I think they'll follow the blueprint that San Francisco used this week, hold them to 20 points and force Lamar into looking like just a slightly above average QB versus a Superman QB. Um, but can the Bills accomplish that? I, I don't know. I won't jump into my prediction yet, but I I do think this will be maybe a higher scoring game than we are, are used to. I think that, yeah, I mean, if you look at the two previous games, I will say two things that you have to be able to, I I agree with Frank, you're going to have to be able to score points and keep the game close. I think one of Baltimore's weaker points is that their run defense is not quite as solid as the pass defense with Marcus Peters and Earl Thomas. Um, There, there were some, uh, there were some seams on Sunday in that Niners game, which I watched a fair amount of um, there in the other, the games that, that we referenced before the Cleveland and uh, Kansas city games that they lost. There was uh, you know, Nick Chubb had some ridiculous number of yards. And then I forget who was running for the chiefs at that point, but they also had a good amount of yards. So I think 
the the thing is though is that you have to keep the game close otherwise you can't run the ball as much because you're you're out of hand and you need to, you need to stay and catch up so i think you're going to have to weather the initial storm um and then ultimately yeah you're going to have to contain L- lamar jackson a little bit um and i think the the other critical thing is you know both those teams had some good um have some good pass rushers there the pass rush has been better for the bills recently obviously the chiefs had i think d ford and frank clark or maybe it's frank clark and somebody else i forget the other one is um and cleveland obviously has um i'm trying to remember the, the they have um they have some guys who were good they signed one of the off the they have uh ronald mcdonald and that uh, guy with the thing hamburglar yeah hamburglar grimace grimace and and uh, there's another one too, isn't there? Another Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> yep. Oh, there was the girl. What was the girl? She was uh, the bird, Birdie. I think it might have been just Bird. Yeah, she, yeah, him too. The other. And Olivia Vernon, Vernon, who has had good seasons in the past. So again, so you're gonna need a complete team effort. Obviously, that's that's easy to say because the the Ravens are ten and two and have beaten everybody. That's the other thing is, and oh, the other thing with Lamar Jackson. Josh Allen comparison. Allen statistics not as good. Lamar Jackson way tougher schedule. <laughs> already, yeah, already played the Chiefs and the the Rams and the Texans and beat them all handily. So, yeah. Ooh. In addition Wait, to beating the Patriots when the Bills lost. So. Okay. Um. Did either of you pick this game? I did. I picked. Uh. Well, I didn't vocally since I am now uh, <laughs> eleven and one. I I can pick first without it being a spoiler. I'm going to say Ravens 34, Bills 30. Wow. Okay, so you think the Bills are going to hang with them? Okay, I think good. They're going to hang with them. Yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting game that they lose in the end. Scott, I will go Bills uh, 30. Uh, no, I'm going to go Bills 24, Ravens 35. I'm <laughs> okay. Two things. First of all, I wonder if Buffalo, I mean, they're probably not thinking this far ahead. I think you have to think you got, you're trying to win this game. But if there's a chance you're going to see the Ravens later, maybe you hold a little something back. Maybe you say, we'll take our chances beating the Steelers and the Jets and getting in that way since the division's out of the way. And we don't, we don't go all out against the Ravens. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you, and, and you, you kind of save some of the, maybe you get a little trickeration and you treat it like a scout game and you say, all right, let's see what they can do. And then you kind of you kind of build a game plan for the next time you see them. I think that would require a little bit of cajones and a little bit of bravado um, and would ultimately result in a Bill's loss. But since we've talked so much about how many points the Ravens score and how the Bills are going to have to score lots of points, I think the Bills are going to lose 16 to 13. I think that yeah, the Ravens, be one of those games. Yeah, I think the Ravens are actually kind of deep for a clunker, and they haven't lost in a while. And so, like, there, there's the whole, you know, hashtag do, you know, their hashtag do to lose. And so, I'm gonna still pick the Ravens. I can't. I think the Ravens are the better football team, and I, I don't think that there's a good reason to pick the Bills. I think that what could happen is that the Ravens kind of get a little caught up with the defense of the Bills. The Bills defense might have a little something for them, especially because they get a few extra days to prepare for them. Um, and they might be able to do something. I think that they're going to have to choose. I think what they will choose to do is 
take away Lamar Jackson as much as possible and make them beat them in the pass. And I think that could reduce the scoring. I think that they can find a way to reduce the scoring. They might also accidentally not get the points that they need. And so, you know, I'm not prepared to pick the Bills, even though I definitely think that they could upset the Ravens. I'm going to go 16-13 Ravens. If you would like to let us know what you think about that, you can go to our Twitter page, MNY Bills, newly updated and renovated and streamlined to be less of a mouthful. So maybe next year, Bills, MNY Bills. Uh, Facebook won't let us do that, though. Facebook.com backslash MNY until I figure out how to do that. Um, MNY at Gmail. Anchor.com back or forward slash, you know, uh, MNY Bills. We did change the anchor address. Don't worry. If you're subscribed, you're still going to get the podcast. Um, but MNY Bills on, on Twitter, since that's where most of you find us. Um, we are happy to uh, hear from you. We will be happy to speak to you. Excuse me, next week. Um, it's an hour and twenty minutes. The wine oh, is. We crossed a hundred minutes, guy, or, yeah. or eighty minutes. Yeah, we did, and and the wines kicked in, and it was wall to wall football. We didn't screw yep. around this week, so that's good. Um, I really appreciate everybody listening. We really hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Happy December. Good night, everyone. We'll speak to you soon. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.